Resistance, Chapter 22, February 18, 1943, Road near Kolosin. From what I'd seen, there were three kinds of Polish citizens in the country these days. The first were those who endeared themselves to the invaders, who proudly allowed their homes to be assimilated into the German territory and their lives into the Nazi culture. They helped in the war effort, either because it benefited them or because it kept them from harm. The woman with the eggs probably belonged in this category, but I was glad we weren't there long enough to find out for sure. These were like the men who had stopped Yitzhak and my father on the street and harassed them or even beat them, knowing they wouldn't fight back because the persecution would only get worse if they did. Or the woman who rode the trolleys through the ghetto to laugh at the Jews and shout that we had finally gotten what we deserved. I considered them traitors to Poland and certainly traitors to their fellow citizens who were being crushed beneath the boots of the Nazis. When this war ended, I suspected many of these people would meet their end just as the Nazis eventually would, with shame and cowardice, having been betrayed themselves, and I wouldn't shed a single tear when they did. The second group of Poles, the largest group, were merely surviving, trying to blend into the background. They might have moved into the homes abandoned by Jews who were sent to the ghettos and might have taken over our shops and our possessions but felt little joy in it. They didn't help us, but they believed at least ignoring our situation caused no harm. They were wrong. If there were any difference between causing a man to drown and failing to throw him a rope, it certainly didn't matter to the man in the water. Although a small minority, the third group of Poles was different. They helped. They snuck close to the ghetto at night and tossed the bread over the walls. They looked the other way when the Jewish child stole food from their shops to take back to his family. Or they took Jewish people into their lives, into their homes, and offered them a place to hide, a chance to escape the fate that tens of thousands of us had already suffered. They did this knowing what would happen to them and their family if they were caught. I would love these people for as long as I lived and fight for them as hard as I would fight for any of my own. And now I was sitting beside a man on a wagon, trying very hard to figure out which type of these three poles he was. I couldn't make any assumptions, and I couldn't give anything away until I knew for sure. But this was always the most dangerous moment in the first contact. How could we get his help unless I gave up some information about myself? Everything I'd told Wit so far was a lie, that my name was Helena and Esther was my cousin. He seemed to believe we were looking for our grandmother's house, though I had not given him an address since he had claimed to already know where she lived. And so far, he was speaking to me as if I was Polish, as if I was like him, and I wanted to keep it that way. Where are your families, he asked. Still in loads, but they thought we'd be safer out here in the countryside. Nowhere is safe, Wit sighed. The partisans often move through this area, which brings the Germans into it to search for them. It's only a matter of time before we feel the full effects of the war out here. He looked over at me kindly, perhaps with sympathy. I suspect the two of you have already felt far too much of the war. The war is everywhere, I replied. Keep the lie simple, general, give up nothing. Why was that woman giving you trouble on the back road, he he asked. She meant no harm. She just doesn't know us. Ah, well, I know her. 
She is delivering those eggs to a German officer today. He buys them. He buys the information she brings along with the eggs and pays her well. She tells him about any partisan activity here, about anything suspicious she might have seen. It's possible she will tell him about you and your cousin. Behind me, Esther drew in a sharp breath. The possibility that we'd have German soldiers tracking us toward Warsaw was a terrible threat, one that twisted my gut in knots too, but I couldn't let it show, so I shrugged it off. She has nothing interesting to say about us. We both know what she'll tell that officer. You have no grandmother anywhere near here. I do. Her name is... What's your real name, child? It's not Helena, and I doubt that's your cousin. My hand slipped into the bag with the gun. I wrapped my fingers tight around the metal, and though I wouldn't bring it out unless I had to. He seemed so nice. Had seemed nice. Now I wasn't sure what to think though I was fully willing to believe the worst if necessary. Before it came to that, I tried to quell his suspicions. My name is Helena. No, it's not, and that's fine, Whit sighed. It's all you can say, I understand. I need you to know, Helena, it took a long time for me to realize what was happening to the Jews, and there are still far too many of us who don't understand it because it's not happening to us. Does that make sense? I shook my head. And it wasn't because I missed his point. I knew far too well what he meant. The animal who wanders free has no idea what is happening to the one caught in the trap. But I wanted to keep this man talking as long as possible, better him than me. Wit took a slow breath, then he said, There will come a time when everyone must account for their actions during this war. Some will be judged as evil, others as complacent. But I suspect the greatest number of us will fall to our knees and weep when we discover the full extent of the crimes being committed here. Will that be you, sir, I ask? Do you mourn for those who have died here? I mourn for those I could not help. He eyed Esther, who had been facing sideways as much as possible. You girls need a place to hide, I think. I didn't know what to say to that. To admit that we needed a hiding place was to admit our, our, our identities. If this was a trap, if he was only a gentler, kinder version of that woman we met on the road, or a clever, small scounic with a single nod of admission, I would walk us directly into it. But if I refused his help, doubled down on my lies, perhaps he would make us leave his wagon. I'd rather be here, if he was safe. Esther sat forward, offering to help anyone hide is a serious crime these days, and refusing to help is a serious sin, he shrugged. That's what my wife believes. Last September, she was in Lotz when she heard the screams coming from within the ghettos, women begging for their children. She followed the cries to the train station and saw what was happening, the children being taken away. When the soldiers weren't looking, she grabbed two of the children from the train and hid them in the Severi wagon. We're raising them as our own now, along with a Jewish man who helps on our farm and keeps an eye out for any passing SS men. I'll bring you girls in as my orphaned nieces, should anyone ask, but we'll try to keep you out of sight if possible. There's a false floor in my barn. I can't promise you safety forever, but I can promise that no one in my family will ever betray your trust in us. Silence followed, and I was surprised to find myself considering this offer. After months of fighting and running and lying, I was exhausted. What if he really was offering a place where we could hide and wait out the war? A place to forget about all the resistance. But I never could do that, even if I wanted to. 
If Astor was right, then at this very moment, there were hundreds of fighters in Warsaw trapped in the ghettos, scrambling to figure out how to defend thousands of Jewish civilians. Nazi tanks could roll in there any day. Esther had some sort of package to deliver. They needed our help. Tears filled my eyes, but I blinked them away and I blamed it on the sting of the cold wind when he noticed. I think you're a good man, Wit, full of courage and honor, and may you be rewarded for what you're doing for those people. But my cousin and I need to find our grandmother, and we will. When you come to the turn in the road between your farm and the road ahead, please drop us off there. If you stay on this wagon, I can save your life, he said. Leave, and you will almost certainly lose it. Hadn't been... Hadn't those been almost my very words to Abraham and his friends? I begged them to come with me, to save themselves. They had refused because they believed their lives had a higher purpose, as I had to refuse this man for a similar reason. When I told him so, he nodded, seemingly genu seeming genuinely sad, but what, so was I. I didn't dare look back to see how Esther was feeling because I was sure she was equally tempted to accept his offer, and I didn't want to see that. My decision was made. Little was said between us as we continued the ride. He knew who we were, but that was all right, because I now understood who he was, too. When he did stop the wagon at the turn in the road several kilometers ahead, he pointed to the right. Stay on this road for as long as you can. If the Germans come looking for you, they are less likely to go that way. I smiled, hoping to lighten the heaviness in my own chest. What a coincidence. I'm sure our grandmother is ahead, is just ahead on this very road. Witt's expression back at me remained serious. Your grandmother must be a good woman to be a part of your family. I hope you will stay safe with her until this terrible war is over. My eyes felt hot and I didn't know what to say. I hoisted the bag higher on my shoulder and gave him a nod of thanks. It was time for us to go. Wait. He reached into his pocket and pulled out some money, which he offered me. It's all I have here, but I want you to take it. No, sir, I can't. Wherever you're going, you need this more than I do. One more thing. I was out delivering some bread for my wife, but I think we can spare a little. He opened a bag at his feet and offered us an entire loaf of bread. It smelled so good. I wanted to die for it, but I held my composure until he placed it in my hands. With sincere thanks, I accepted both the money and the bread. Then Esther and I climbed out of the wagon with heavy hearts. We said nothing to each other as he drove away. We turned and silently continued down the road. The money he had given us would help a little with replacing the items we had lost in loads, and I was determined to save as much of it as possible for ammunition when I found any to purchase. I think Wit was being honest, Esther finally said. I think he would have hidden us. He was one of the good ones, I said to myself more than to her. I intended to remember Wit Galinsky for as long as I lived to remind myself that wherever there was evil, good men and women would also rise up to fight it. For the first time in weeks, I felt hope for the future.